Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another Marketing Agility podcast. It is a brisk Friday afternoon here in Boston. I bet it's not that cold in the valley. Nope, it's lovely. Um, And I'm excited about the guests we're going to be bringing on today. You probably remember the conversation that we had, geez, maybe four or five months ago with Steve Wolf from CA Technologies. Right. We are revisiting um, CA Technologies today. We are going to be bringing on Cameron Van Orman. He is the... uh, SVP Product and Solution Marketing. Yes, that's right. Yep, Cameron's the the Senior Vice President of Product Marketing at CA Technologies. He tells me that he actually reports in, in an interesting way, to both the CMO and the chief product officer. So that'll be interesting to um, chat with him about. Wow. Besides that, of course, we just want to get an update on how CA Technologies has been progressing with their agile transformation. And part of what led us to reach back out was the fact that CA Technologies has been writing actually a lot of great content about their process as they've um, brought on Agile. So we'll share a link to that in, in the show notes. And uh, with that, let's bring on Cameron. Cameron. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. We're excited to get an update since our last conversation with Steve Wolf and hear a little bit about what the latest is when it comes to Agile transformation at CA Technologies. Before we um, jump in, maybe you can start by just telling us a little bit about, about your background. I know that you've been at CA Technologies in a couple of different roles. I also Notice that looking back even further, that um, you spent some time at Sun Microsystems, which uh, is obviously um, now part of Oracle. So that was fun to see. I actually did uh, tours at two different uh, Oracle companies, uh, Storage Tech, Sun Microsystems, as well as Pillar Data Systems. So I I actually came out of the storage hardware business and and have been at CA about seven years now. And I run, I run all product marketing for the entire CA portfolio. Um, reporting both into our chief marketing officer as well as into our chief product officer. And my experience with Agile started about five years ago uh, at CA. I joined a, a business unit to run strategy, business development, and marketing. And that, that BU was all in on Agile across all functions. So even the strategy marketing guy, I had to take a leading safe or scale Agile framework course. I started applying some of the principles to strategy, kind of mapped uh, our, our strategic planning process and how we think about that to sort of the top row of the of the safe big picture. And I started dabbling and applying some of the principles of Agile to marketing, but, but we weren't Agile, right? It wasn't Agile, not by definition. It was just sort of playing around with it. And then about two years later, or about two years ago, we, we acquired Rally Software in 2015. That, that, was, that was a pretty big point uh, or inflection for me and, and for us. You know, pre-acquisition, the marketing team at Rally had been using Agile for about two quarters. There were about 20 marketers, mostly co-located in Boulder, Colorado. And, and when we bought them, I, I, I was, I'm local. I live in Colorado. I now work in what was the Rally office. And we, you know, I noticed the marketing team there were very engaged. They're reasonably happy. I didn't know if that was just the Boulder culture, whether it was something funky in the Colorado air, which we all know about. And so throughout the integration process, we, we had Agile coaches facilitating some of our meetings. You know, I attended the Rally On you know, Agile user conference, interacted with the Agile community. 
I mean, I, I even had the coach of my daughter's soccer team was an agile coach. I, I, I couldn't escape, right? Agile was just everywhere around me. Yeah. So I saw it running and then I wondered, hey, could, is there something to it? Is there a better way to work? You know, but, but, you know, would it work at, at a scale, at a different sort of scale, with a different sort of, uh, you know, less co-located people. So that was, that was the start of the journey. So you, it sounds like, you know, you were working with Rally and they had, given that they were a product for people doing agile, they had already consumed the Kool-Aid as the expression goes. I mean, can you share a little bit about the moving it over to, I mean, you're not just overseeing Rally, you're overseeing the overall CA, CA portfolio where Rally is a small part of it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that, that was, Frank, that was our first expansion experiment, right? We, we actually had three different, you know, we, we sort of expanded three different times. But the first one was, all right, we, we saw the Rally marketing team doing it. All right. They're co-located, one product. They're familiar with the Kool-Aid. They, they know the space. Okay. The, the, you know, so we expanded to say, all right, let's create a marketing delivery group which is our term for kind of our lease train, if you will. But let's create a marketing delivery group supporting the Agile Management Business Unit, which includes the Rally product, um, which we now call CA Agile Central. And, and that presented us a couple of challenges, to your, to your point, right? It's more marketers with a divergent level of Agile experience. So some had no Agile experience. Uh, more products at different, lages, uh, different stages of product maturity, right? Some more mature products, some emerging uh, incubation sort of products, more people that weren't co-located. So how do we deal with a distributed marketing team as opposed to a co-located marketing team? So that was actually our first, our first scaling experiment that we ran. And we ran that for a couple of quarters before we expanded further. What work, can you share some of the things that came out of that experiment? What did you... To find that worked and what didn't work. I tell you, some of the some of the uh, epiphanies as as we were going through it, we were able to compare and contrast this delivery group running agile with other cross functional teams that we have. One one, one of those uh, it, was, it was a day I, I remember distinctly. We had the the agile delivery group, the marketing delivery group in one room. Yeah, and it was cross-functional. It had people from product marketing and integrated marketing and field marketing. It had international representation. It had product comms. It had uh, marketing analytics. They're in one room doing kind of big room, uh, mid-range planning. And across the hall in another room was a traditional CA function. It was actually one of my functions. It was a product marketing team for another business unit doing second half planning. And as I walked back and forth during the day between the two rooms, the contrast was so clear to me. You know, I, I'd be in the, uh, the product marketing, the functional room, and the commitments that they could make to the business, which is what, what we care about, right? Not about activities. It was like shrinking and shrinking. Well, what, what can you commit? Well, I'm dependent on this function. I've got this dependency. I need to ask field marketing. I don't know about integrated. I don't know about comms. And I go back across the hall to the Agile Delivery Group, where those functions were all represented. And they had empowered people there. And they were able to, to work these things out on the spot and agree to a common goal and you know, do dependency mapping and synchronize their work across sprints. And the only difference between the two rooms was, the, was it cross-functional where they empowered. Both rooms had 
actually agile coaches facilitating meeting. They both had all the agile accoutrements you'd expect. They had like mm-hmm. Play-Doh and pipe cleaners and the Kanban board of topics that they're going to work through and flow through on the day. They all were orchestrated identically. But boy, they were different. One was truly an agile group with empowered cross-functional representation, and the other was playing agile theater, as we called yeah. it, where you pretended to be agile. Yeah, so was that team that was more cross-functional in nature, is, was that an actual dedicated cross-functional team, or was that a virtual team that was pulling in people from different organizational silos that still existed? And can you also talk, get back to talking a little bit about the co-location and how you address that? Yes. Uh, so it, w- it was a virtual team. So still, still working within their departments, right? They still had department low, you know, representation. I'm integrated marketing and product and field on comms, but coming together in an agile delivery group and forming different teams within the delivery group. And, and that, that actually is something you know, we, we modified as, as we've learned, right, you know, in our process, we, we, we weren't, and we start we started out being like pure, right, we're going to do safe, and we're going to be pure, and we're going to take this, this, you know, group of people, some of which were from Rally and no Agile, some of which were not from Rally and didn't know Agile, we were going to make them like Agile experts. And we had, you know, days of like, you know, scaled, safe training and trying to figure out, you know, what does weighted shortest job first mean? And how do you do, you know, kind of estimation poker? You know, we, we went through all of it. And boy, that was a struggle. That was might have been a mistake for us. We, we went pretty far, pretty fast. And we end up, we end up getting caught in kind of the language and the terminology, missing the principles of, Look, let's get let's get people cross-functional. Let's still report. Let's get them together and share yeah. goals. So, do you give us the size of the scale that that, that early team, like size, number of people? Yeah, it was probably about 30, 30 40 okay. people. So that's not small. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not what one would call. You know, Roland and I talked to all kinds of different people over the over the last few years, and some start with a skunk works. You know, like a a, a small team, a small project, and that's been. My history, at least when I did a tour at Novell, and we did a very similar approach. You know, I took a small microsite project and built a cross-functional team that was empowered, and we had executive protection. You know, we had an executive yep. sponsor, and it was isolated and, and was empowered, and all the good stuff. And versus, you know, some organizations which you know Roland's been talking to some folks, and I've met some other people where people are doing true agile transformations. You know, bringing in the whole safe framework and trying to, you know, eat the elephant in one sitting, metaphorically. I mean, how did you reconcile, you know, did you end up backing off the, to try to find a balance between the the dogma and the reality of life? We definitely did. And and again, I'm just talking about the 30 or 40s and that first, when we went to that next level around one delivery group, you know, we've since... Uh, expanded two other times. Now we've got you know, well over a hundred kind of in the core teams, you know, various delivery groups. But to your question about the dogma, yeah, we we, we realized we had to back off. We we you know, and because of our rally background, there was a lot of dogma and a lot of purity around it. And and we look, we we hired an external coach. We had an internal coach. You mentioned Steve Wolf as our internal coach. And as we as we ran various experiments over the two years. 
we've actually backed off a little, a, a fair amount and tried to customize to, to marketers because, you know, we're, we are, we are a little yeah. bit different. Not all our products can be done in two weeks, right? We have a balance of, and, and we've done it in our delivery group. We've got both persistent teams around demand gen because we're always doing demand gen, but we also have what we call kind of temporal or initiative based teams where an initiative may spin up in our uh, BU or business unit, big room planning, Hey, we want to go, uh, we're going to do FedRAMP certification for a product. Great. That's not going to be something we we have to launch forever, right? But it may take us two quarters to do it. So we may spin up uh, a marketing team, if you will, that may have two people or one person or four people, depending on the initiative. You know, we, we've got an annual, like Oracle, we've got an annual user conference, CA World. Well, uh, our our marketing effort for that varies depending on how close we are to it. You know, when we're you know, in the same quarter, it's it's a huge team. We're two quarters out. It's a small team. We're three quarters out. It may be one person. And we're four quarters out or it just ended. No one's thinking about it. So, uh, so we'll spin up temporal teams. Just as an example, right, the dogma would say your team, a scrum team should be seven plus or minus two people. They're always persistent. You flow work to the team. That didn't work. We tried that. That didn't work for us across all, you know, some, again, we got some persistent teams, but then we have initiative-based teams also. And your story is not that uncommon, right? We When we talk with a number of marketers, we hear that same thing, that the, the hardcore, because people are kind of using mod, you know, kind of hybrid scrum bond kind of models. And the thing that the conversations I often have with friends who are trying it is I often encourage them to think in terms of, look, what's going to get you the greatest value to start so you can have some early success. And sometimes having a centralized backlog, having an empowered team, having some basic sort of having a time, narrow time band that works and planning and retrospectives. I mean, the, the core approaches and scrumming on a regular basis, you can get sort of 90% of the value, 80 to 90% of the value for not necessarily for a lot less overhead, just with some of the real basics. And uh, it sounds uh, like you, yeah. you guys kind of, kind of got there, but from starting with a hundred percent, maybe backing off to what worked for you. Yeah, uh, exa- ex- exactly. And it is funny. I, I would describe us as a, a scrum bond today, right? Where, we're using more flow-based uh, approach to manage the work, but we do some scrumming, right, in, in our ceremonies with the retros, with the demos, with the stand-ups, um, and, and do a kind of uh, face-to-face um, medium-range planning, which which actually addressed an earlier question, how do we deal with distributed teams? There's communication mechanisms for the for, for the stand-ups and the sprint plannings, and we use, you know, video and, and, and teleconference but we made sure at least quarterly for what we call a kind of big room planning, which is kind of a quarterly planning ceremony to invest to make sure everyone came face to face for a couple of days. So mm-hmm. that was that, that was an investment we, we had to make in order for this to work. And then, again, use other communication mediums uh, in, in between for the interim ceremonies. Yeah. And that comes right out of, um, you know, some of the scaled agile frameworks, whether it, whether that is actually scaled Azure framework or scaled um, lean frameworks or what have you. That makes a lot of sense. So when you talk about the big room planning, though, are you having your CMO and CEO participate to really sort of set the North Star, so to speak, on the horizon so that the strategic direction really cascades down into the planning of each of the Agile teams that's 
that's there to kind of um, you know develop their backlog for the next quarter? Not directly. You know, our, our delivery groups are organized around our business units. So we'll have the business unit GM and the head of marketing for the business unit do that. So, so we'll do it at that level. When, when we look at it, we're actually in the process of doing it right now. Our fiscal year starts uh, April 1st. Uh, we actually are bringing all the different teams or representatives from the teams or also be, again, you know, uh, hundreds of, of folks. But we're actually getting together in two weeks where, where we will have, you know, the marketing leadership try, as we look to stitch together the campaigns and the work that we're doing across each of the delivery groups. But so, so again, our, our, our BUGM and, and, and head of marketing is effectively the CEO, CMO for that delivery group. So, so can we look at the, talk about the safe stuff for a second? Because, you know, I, I was, a few months ago, was involved in a, a, an opportunity, or working with a group that was doing, doing safe for the, on the product side of things. And we spent some time talking with our scrum master that are, who was very articulate, you know, very conversant and, and safe. And, we were trying. I was trying to have some conversations of trying to do the. You know, we had like a women are from Venus, men are from Mars kinds of conversation, because he was so like so set on the various you know parts that are on the the safe thing that I almost think that maybe we as marketers need a a translator guide or a you know a translating key to kind of translate the terms from safe over to what we do in marketing land. I mean, did you guys have to go to that level or did, were you able to make the safe scalable yeah. to make it work <laughs> we, for you? We, we absolutely uh, changed some terminology. And, and again, our, our, our development teams are safe, are scaled agile. Yeah. But for marketing, the terminolo- we found the terminology being a barrier to, to, to adoption for us. What A feature, right, as an example. That means something very discreet for a developer, but that doesn't mean anything to a marketer, but like an initiative does. So we changed features, became initiatives, uh, release trains became delivery groups, a release train engineer. We had, we had a part, you mentioned Steve Wolf was technically a release train engineer, but we didn't call him that. We just called him our coach and you know, kind of running the, running the delivery group. We, we, we did modify the language a little bit. So, so it would be in terms that we would understand because our goal wasn't to be the best safe adopter within marketing, our goal was to get business impact. And, and if, when the language was getting in our way, in our first big training where we did that first expansion and added in a bunch of people who didn't know Agile, and, and we tried to take them through the book, you could just see it, 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 was, it was a barrier, right? And we were missing the objective so we could go through the ceremonies and, and check the box that we went through every page mm-hmm. uh, in the training manual. And that, that didn't help us. We hear that a lot. We certainly, you know, I think that that exists not just within the context of trying to scale an implementation. That exists within the method that you choose alone. So we, I often encourage people, and this is something I write about in my book, I, I encourage marketers to start with Kanban, which is mm-hmm. less prescriptive. You can always add practices, right? And I find best for marketers to start with less and to yeah. incrementally inch towards more structure. As people get more comfortable with it and as people within the teams, you know, somebody will raise their hand because they're passionate about the process and they will kind of either adopt through their role as a, as a, as a scrum master or maybe through participation that they might have 
as part of a team that's really dedicated to facilitating the process, that could be a co it could be a single coach or it could be a team of people who are chartered with doing that, that those people will kind of get involved and do that tailoring of the method, adding practices one by one, assessing the value of those practices through the retrospective process and inching towards this practice or this method, what is kind of endemic to your company, culture, projects, and teams. Yeah, I, I, I wish we had done that. Maybe we should have read the book. Uh, yeah. more. We, 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 we got there through, uh, through experimentation and, and, again, went pure and then had to back off. And I had another discovery this week myself personally in my, my new J job, which I'm still kind of in stealth for a little bit. But I, I, two, different, two different ticketing systems, both with one of your competitors. I won't name their names, Jira. Um, mm. And it's my agency as well as my web team both using the Kanban view to kind of manage the flow, even though we're not in an agile mode. But I thought that was interesting that even given like just a traditional you know weekly meeting and reprioritize things, the default view that people chose was the Kanban view because I guess it seemed kind of intuitive and that kind of flow mm. made sense to people. I agree. I, I Frank, I agree with you and Roland, your comments. We're there now, you know, using, you know, team boards and, and, and kind of flow-based project management. But boy, we didn't start there. We, we, we started pretty, pretty heavy. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess it make it guess it makes sense in light of the legacy and, and the path that you went down where you had a company and you were trying to use the startup company to infect the, the rest of the organization. That's not an uncommon I've been, been through a couple of acquisitions in the last five years and where the, the acquiring companies, look, they acquire you for a reason and they hope to try to, bigger companies do try to learn. That yes. It's not always the big companies trying to impose their will on the smaller companies. I mean, that right. happens, but more, oftentimes they try and take the best parts of it as well. And, and, and I do think, you know, first of all, yeah, I'd recommend everyone need a coach if you're going to do this at, at any sort of scale uh, beyond a hobby. But, but what we, we found is a, a coach with context, a coach with marketing context uh, was vital. And we, we paired an external mm -hmm. coach that didn't have as much of that with an internal coach who was formerly a marketer yeah. uh, and became an agile coach, but was a marketer. Uh, now happened to be a marketer from Rally, so it was steeped in, in the understanding and learning and knowledge. Yeah. Um, but having someone coach us that, that was one of us that knew what we did, that knew yeah. about temporal nature of work was actually super helpful for us. Yeah, that's a need I think that exists in the ecosystem, right? There aren't a ton of people that meet that criteria yet. I think increasingly those people with that expertise are coming to market, but some of what you're describing has been driven by the fact that marketers are taking a page out of product management's book and they tend to be more comfortable with more prescriptive methods. So I, I definitely see that as a, an interesting opportunity for those marketers who have had a little bit of experience to engage with larger companies and, and you know, bring the marketing perspective to yeah. an agile implementation. Yeah. And you also play off my snowflake theory, Roland, which is you know, and we in marketers, we are precious snowflakes and <laughs> we're not just going to blindly take the agile approach that other people take. <laughs> yeah. But the well, truth it was funny. I, I learned, uh, you know, as we time boxed various ceremonies in our, in our, in our big room planning, 
marketing teams, those snowflakes really need more vision and context yeah. than, than, than others, right? We, we kept underestimating how much time to, to dedicate to that, but they, they value that in a way to how do, how do I develop solid messaging and campaigns? And so we, we, we kind of get more and more time to having the executives come in, to getting that alignment across the whole value stream. I am curious to hear a little bit more about executive involvement. I think one of the, well, I'll just say that I think the biggest impediment to agile transformation at larger organizations is having executive buy-in. And, you know, that plays out in a couple of different ways. But as you said yourself, transformation at larger companies requires an investment in both training and certification, kind of at the going from the bottom up, training the people who are doing the work in the trenches, but also... I, I've seen that it's been very helpful to bring in consultants to educate executives on the mindset changes that are going to be required to get them to shift, for example, from being in a campaign orientation all the time to more of a programmatic orientation. So I'm curious to learn a little bit about how have you been working with your executive leadership and how, how, how have you seen their buy-in evolve over time if it has? We may not be the model of perfection on that. I think we could have and could still do a better job. Our, our CMO tasked me with this. And again, I'm on her staff. And I was sort of a, you know, still am kind of the champion of the initiative. And our, our challenge wasn't so much uh, my peers. They were all very engaged. Our challenge was actually one one level below. I'll call it kind of kind of the middle management. The team, the individuals on the teams doing the work, loved it, right? And and in some of the blogs I wrote, I, I shared some of the stats around uh, our engagement scores and our likely to recommend recommend the company scores and feeling empowered. The individuals on the team love it. What, what we did, and frankly, what we kind of messed up or, or overlooked is the layer in the middle, right? We, we, we had full day kind of coaching with, with uh, the CMO staff and our external coach and, you know, helped us. And we did the games and did the, did, did the examples and watched the videos and drank the Kool-Aid. And, you know, we, we had coaching at our level, but we, we neglected the level in between. The de- I'll call them the department leaders, and yeah, I'll share one one you know, embarrassing but but learning uh, thing that happened to us. So we, you know, we scheduled, hey, we'll do big room planning, and we're going to expand it to another set of groups. And great, uh, I think it was actually in my own organization. Hey, you know, product mark some product marketing individuals come into a big room planning. We're going to teach you up and coach you. And I forgot to tell their managers that we were doing that. And so literally, a manager calls me up, a, a, you know, team leader, and was like, so. My, my person just got back from training and, and I don't get to tell them what to do anymore. What? <laughs> Hold on. How does yeah. this work? Do they report to me still? And it was like, Oh my God, I forgot to tell the managers that yeah. we were taking their people and that we're going to do this. And what does it mean? And, and yeah. you know, that's to, to me where to, we should be yeah, on socializing. Yeah. Socializing the idea within the organization. Well, Cameron, unfortunately, this has been a great conversation, but unfortunately, we bumped up against it for time. I think, Roland, we should try to bring Cameron back again. And this, I think there are about five or six other topics we hit on today that we could probably do another easily do another half an hour on. 
Well, just as a reminder to our listeners out there, you can find the Marketing Agility Podcast on AgileMarketingBlog.com. We are still on iTunes. You can download it and listen to it in the car or wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. And if you have a something, a story to tell and you want to come out there, we have some upcoming guests for some inbounds. So we're excited to share some stories that are completely fresh and new and original. But you can go to AgileMarketingBlog.com and fill out the form and We'd love to have you on and talk a little bit more about your story. Um, And everyone out there, thank you again, Cameron, for joining us today. And please stay agile.